When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tucking treat today because we have the fabulous co-authors of a very, very, very important book for the times, for the people, for the children. Um, it is called The Legends of Drag, and we have two of the authors here to talk to them. In, I'm saying in studio, like we're we're in a studio. We are literally doing this virtually. We are not together, but I feel like we're together because I feel their warm energy and their warm presence. Please welcome the fabulous Harry James Hansen and Devin Antheus. Hey, boys. Hey, y'all. Sorry, boys. I didn't know to say boys. Hey, y'all. I'm trying to be better about pronouns. I keep on saying girls and guys. I'm going to say persons. We're flexible, honey. Work we love. You can't misgender me. It's impossible. <laughs> Sam, I, I, I feel the same way as well. The same way. <laughs> Thank um, you so, so much. You, of course, I'm so happy to have you guys here. You know, Bunny has been. Um, Bunny has. Bunny turned me on to this book, and um, I received my copy in the mail. <laughs> We have Harry you. and Devin here. Do you want to put your camera on so we can see your beautiful face? Or you can keep it off. Actually, keep it off. We, we actually all prefer it. If I had a beautiful face, <laughs> if I had a beautiful face, I would put the camera on, okay? We're talking about old drag queens today, <laughs> all right? Okay? Uh, let's, let's, let's just let's, let's <laughs> so be So, Ebony, you listeners, in true fashion, Lady <laughs> Bunny has um, woke, awoken from her, from her uh, 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 blissful slumber. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, every, everyone knows how woke uh-huh, I am. Yeah, you are. Him. The wokest of the woke. Um, and yeah. so, Lady Bunny, we have Harry and Devin here. Do you want to say hello to our guests? Or are you going to be rude? What Are, are you on tour now? What, what are you, are, are we you are. We're, yep, we had our New York launch party on the 19th, and now we're in Chicago. We just had an event last night at Berlin yes. um, okay. featuring... Featuring Maya Douglas, JoJo Baby, Sherry Payne, Dina Jacobs. Um, Chili Pepper <clears throat> made an appearance. Chili Pepper made an appearance. Oh, wow. Hosted by the fabulous Lucy Stool. 
Yes, indeed. An up and coming legend. Yes, I she love Lucy. So I love following Lucy on, on social media, on, especially on Twitter. Um, they're very funny on Twitter. So I love, really? love, 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 love me some Lucy Stool. Leave the um, young let, queens out of this, honey. Okay, Lucy, no, Lucy is many Stool. things. No, Lucy, is, Lucy is many things. Young ain't one of them. Okay, Lucy and I are the same age. Okay, well, uh, I mean, but when you're when you're speaking in terms of of Chili Pepper and Dina Jacobs, Dina is an old friend of mine from Atlanta. I mean, she was performing in the the Midtown scene, and I love to see people like that be highlighted because you know it's like they were there, they were doing the work before. You know, there was a drag race before there were mm-hmm. drag queens at Taco Bell, <laughs> which there now are. My father yes. sent me the um, the article because a drag queen named Kay Sadia, get it? Kay yeah. Sadia, he liked that, um, is going to be doing a partnership with, you know, Taco Bell. So let's just, let's just, why you wanted to do the book, uh, tell us about your ties to the book and, and, and everything else. You do drag. One of you. One of I, you does. Yeah, Harry, Harry, Harry does. Yeah. Okay. I perform occasionally. I'm known in the Brooklyn scene as Amber Alert. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Speaking but, of funny, it's funny you say that. Last night I was at a friend's house doing a business meeting about some a project, and I got the loudest Amber Alert about an elderly woman who was missing, and I was like, "When did Bunny move to California?" <laughs> this is. I no. thought it was her. <laughs> Amber Heard Alert, Jason today yesterday. <laughs> you know, it's it's great. I'm actually the only queen in the country who has the government doing PR for me. So, <laughs> Amber Alert is Amber um, Heard. Yeah, I mean, she, yes, but don't, don't believe the rumors. I don't drive a Honda Odyssey. I would never. How did... <laughs> okay, so tell us, tell us uh, why, why, why <laughs> Legends of Drag? Why do you guys think it was important for this book right now? So we began this project in 2018. We did four portraits of queens in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And it that all really started because we saw this incredible show at Aunt Charlie's Lounge, which is this historic drag bar mm-hmm. in San Francisco's Tenderloin neighborhood. And we saw that show and, you know, the median age of the cast was probably 60, 65. And reflecting on it and reflecting on my own drag community, the only elder I really knew personally was Linda Simpson. Mm. And I was like, wow, I know, right? Um, Friends of our podcast, Linda was like one of our very first guests. Fabulous. I love that. Mm -hmm. And Um, yet the podcast went on to be successful. (laughs) 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 Linda Simpson is a New York City drag queen who I have a stage feud with. We actually get along very well. She's in the book as one of the New York Queens. And how did you decide to break it up via cities? We did the portraits in San Francisco. We realized it was really a much bigger project, um, that there was like a deep well of, um, of, of characters for us to, to um, meet and explore and help share their stories. And we both, Devin and I both love traveling. So it was sort of a no brainer that we would take it to, you know, across the country. Um, and, you know, I'm based in New York. For the past 10 years, Devin has been based in San Francisco. Um, we have comrades, collaborators, and co-conspirators in many cities across the country. So, you know, we took a look at which cities had distinct drag cultures, like Atlanta, Vegas, New Orleans, 
Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, mm. And also, like, where did we have the resources to put together these productions in, in each city? Um, and so that being said, you know, there are still some, there are so many places we didn't get to go where I would love to go um, for volume two, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, like St. Louis, Cleveland, Seattle, Phoenix, Denver. We're ready to go international with it. Yeah. I, there's this queen in Barcelona named Gilda Love, who's 95, and we got to go. Work. Work. Yeah, that's my drag daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think just, I like that you can look at the cities and kind of see the regional flavor, you know, and like, you know, all the girls know each other. And so the stories that they share kind of like interweave. I mean, there's also, of course, people like Dina Jacobs who travel so much and so extensively that she could never be contained to to any one place. You know, like she has stories from Atlanta, Chicago, Brazil. Oh yeah. I mean, she's a, she's a, she's a Puerto Rican from Hawaii who has been performing since 1967. Oh, my God. 1967. She said in the book that she never saw Queen's lip sync until she came to the States because in Hawaii they would sing live. And I've seen that from older Queens who worked at things like the Jewel Box um, or the the, the Review, and which I guess was popular in the 50s, 60s. Um, mm-hmm. And and also uh, Finocchio's and you know some of the older like they sang live they they, they thought lip syncing was a step down, right? Yeah, which is which is a big also a big part of a uh, British British drag too British drag a lot like ninety percent of British drag queens they all sing live they're like we don't do the like the lip syncing thing which is you know I mean, of course America well I guess it's not America but. Um, we America does like to take a tradition and be like, we you know we're gonna do it differently. But I will say, lip syncing is something that has become synonymous with drag, and it, it, it has been now. It is like that staple of a of, of being like a good drag entertainer. It's like you, at least at least you can do that. You can lip sync, but you know who knows. Well, Dana Jacob um, actually, Dana says that her lip sync is improved by the fact that she was a singer, so that she knows mm-hmm. when to breathe, and that makes the lip sync more realistic because totally. she sings live. Yeah, she she lip synced last night, and it was incredible, and you could tell that she was like really pausing and emoting like at the moments where like breath should happen. Yeah. So now, so now in, 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 and you guys embarking on the journey for this book and I've obviously getting all these Queens done, like what, what did, did you, I, did you find any cities they were, I mean, this is like a little shady, but did you find in any city that it was hard to, to, to get Queens together because they work like, for example, New York city Queens, I, I feel like New York city Queens are always bustling, working like hard to nail it down to get pictures. Like were they, like, were there certain cities that were hard to tack them down? I would say that as a group, the New York Queens were perhaps the most demanding. Mm, lighting uh, and et cetera, and this and that and the other. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> they had some notes on the retouching. <laughs> and, you know, oh, if you want me to sit there, well, you need me to bring me a cushion. Um, and I, I did bring a cushion, you know. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so that describes Flotilla's shoot. <laughs> 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 did I guess it? Did I guess it right? Who was the bitch that wanted a pillow? <laughs> yes, um, it was Flotilla DeBarge. And My sister. I will. I will be auctioning off the cushion um, to support drag queens who need BBLs. Um, so, but, you know, we will pay it forward. Um, please enlighten. We love Flotilla DeBarge. Yes, let the record show. Please, please tell me what a BBL is. I know BBC. 
and uh, oh, I, I don't know the BBL. God. What is the I'm BBL? Going to take this, <laughs> Lady Bunny. A BBL is something that we are actually we have a GoFundMe for you as well. It's called <laughs> um, a Brazilian butt lift, and it's something oh, okay. very trendy. And we'll put you on a Spirit Airlines flight to Miami, and you'll come back a new woman. It'll be great. Well, Bunny, I'm not sure that you really qualify for the Brazilian butt lift, but we might be able to get you a Bulgarian butt lift, which is much, much cheaper. Much yeah, cheaper. Yeah, I think they can get me the, the 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 hillbilly holler flat white old woman's low hanging ass uh, <laughs> procedure. But I don't know how you would say that. No, I know what a Brazilian butt lift. I just didn't know the internet abbreviation for people that speak no. about BBLs all the time. So you got now, Monet. You ask about where some of them shady and where some of them hard to deal with. I, I didn't hear too much about where some of them shady. We don't need exact names, but was it difficult to round everybody up? Because we've been in. You did the whole project during COVID. You have magnificent flower displays. You know, matching the queen's outfits. I mean, I look at that as someone color. How do they do that? How do they know? What, so I mean, it doesn't look like an easy bit. Well, Devin, like your whole career is in you. You that's you're. You're you're a floral stylist. Yeah, that's that's my job. That's what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. And thank and, you so much for the kind well, words. Occasionally, buddy. occasionally, no, don't get used to it. But so 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 <laughs> so now, how does that work? Did they tell you what dress they're bringing, or take a, a snapshot of it? Because we have phones mm-hmm. now that take pictures, right? And um and, and then you match up the flowers. I mean, you can't just bring every color flower to the shoot. Yeah, yeah, we. We, um, you know, they give us some options of what they could wear, what they're excited about. Um, We kind of tell them what direction we would want to see it go in. Um, It's like a triangulation between the location, which Harry does a lot of brilliant location scouting by cyber-stalking neighborhoods (laughs) on Google Maps. Yep. Um, And, you know, we kind of triangulate between the location, what they're wearing. And then, you know, we just get really stoned and go to the flower market and (laughs) just kind of vibe with it. And sometimes, like, we don't know what they're wearing and the flowers end up matching perfectly anyways. So, And besides, um, obviously, because the flowers are beautiful and this is your career, like, was is there another aspect of that that was really really important for you to include in this this portraiture? Yeah, I mean... You know, working in the in the flower industry, it's a lot of weddings. Um, it's a lot of, you know, that's where the money is. And, yeah. you know, weddings are very um, soul-crushing in a certain sense. Uh, they're very repetitive. <laughs> like very, I feel like very Disney it would be for florists. You're like, uh, yeah. Disney World, god damn yeah, it. There's a lot of really high, high-demand uh, clients, you're very limited in what you can do. And so I love giving flowers to drag queens because, A, it provides a lot more uh, creative freedom, but also, like, you know, I want to give the girls their flowers. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, my God. I love that. And, you know, when you're doing flowers for drag queens versus a wedding, it's like all of the sort of conventional notions of good taste go what out the window. What are you window. saying? What are you and, saying? <laughs> <laughs> We're saying that we can uh, bejewel and bedazzle an anthurium and hand it off to Adora in Miami, and she's going to think it's the cutest thing in the world. And I don't have to hear anyone's mother of the bride complain about um, how it doesn't match the mock up that they were shown six months ago. <laughs> 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 oh, I love your amethyst we, ring. Sorry. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we did, you know, have to like 
pull some strings to make sure that we had yellow roses for Shauna Brooks because she specifically requested them. You know, like mm. some of the girls have like very specific <clears throat> flowers that they want. And in that case, we we try to provide. But yeah, in general, uh, I think like anything, drag opens a lot of doorways to be able to do things differently or more interesting or use flowers that, um, you know, wouldn't really show up mm-hmm. in, a, in a kind of traditional wedding array. Yeah. And and also to say, you know, there certainly were many challenging aspects of the production process, especially during the pandemic. But um, I found that most of our models, you know, they expressed to us that they felt so honored to be included in the book. And that that really goes both ways. We felt so honored to be working with them. Mm-hmm. So that dynamic, I think, was just really powerful. Um, and it, it shows in the work that there's trust there. Because we really did approach each shoot as a collaboration. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, I told, I told all the models as I was prepping them for the shoots, like, listen, we know you're beautiful. This isn't a glamour shot. It's we want to see your personality come through. We want to see the unique characteristics of your drag. Um, and, you know, beauty is boring. Anyone can be beautiful. I want something more explosive and dynamic and enchanting and okay. rare. And they deliver. Yes. We stand. Now, I want to talk about your, um, your, because you have a prelude and a, a prelude by someone who I have admired since season two of, uh, season two of Top Model? Yeah, season two of Top Model, Miss J. Alexander. <clears throat> talk to us about how you got Miss J. I absolutely love Miss J. I worship Miss J. I have, say, say it again. <laughs> Witchcraft is how <laughs> Well, it was important for y'all to get Miss J. And how did you get her? Girl, there have been many surreal moments. of this project, but connecting with her has been one of the most surreal by far. Um, By pure coincidence, my mother is friends with Miss J's neighbor in New York. And it was just one of those New York connections. Um, I love that. But she has been so kind and gracious and she just immediately got it. You know, Mm -hmm. we didn't have to pitch her or sell her on it. Um, she understood the imperative and yeah. why this project was important. And I couldn't, couldn't have asked for, um, you know, a, a, a more iconic figure to write the prelude for us. And, yes. and just in case there's some people who were not around when Top Model was on, Jay Alexander is the tall, thin, hilarious black queen with all kinds of crazy outfits that are fashion, but also kind of nutty as well, who was with Tyra Banks on that show and is now like a a, a meme generator because of the many <laughs> hysterical, you know, like looks and expressions and reactions that, uh, you know, Jay had to, I guess, some of the models. I didn't watch that show, but I've actually known uh, Jay for a long, long time, and I'm I'm glad he's in New York. He was in Paris teaching models to walk for decades. Yeah. I didn't yes. know he was back here. She's back and forth, you know. She gets around. Um, yeah, it uh, it's really amazing. I I watched Top Model when it was airing when I was a teenager, and it really wasn't until years later that I realized how strong of an impact Miss J really had. Right. I mean, you know, like, her, she was she was in a, a position of authority 
on this show that was, you know, broadcast around the globe. And she was, you know, respected and revered. And, you know, her identity was never interrogated or cut down. She never had to explain herself. She just existed as as this beautiful, um, incredible, powerful force. And... Uh, it, it, yeah, it really wasn't until years later that I realized how formative that was for me to see her on TV. But, and yeah. she was in a position of authority because that's what these reactions were for. And, in, you know, in the fashion world or in Tyra's world, you know, gay people play a big part, whether it's the designers or the hairstylists or whatever. Now, one of the quotes I like from Miss J are some quote some of us are gay and some of us are gayer than gay i never mm-hmm. had time to think about the implications i just did the damn thing if this life chooses you baby don't hold back and i, I think that's a great quote i mean yeah I, there's another quote from uh dina jacobs who is a trans performer who does drag and she says um and we were happy and closely knit because we feel like in other words, drag and trans and she and he and they, uh, we felt like we weren't subject. We were subjected to the same ridicule back in the day. We were all just gay. There wasn't he, she, they, or whatever. We were just gay. So that's so fascinating to me because, so you're talking about the older trans women saying it, the, the categories weren't as big of a deal because, you know, and I say this all the time, in, I mean, they're a very big deal now, um, the, the different categories and whatnot. But it's, it, that, that to me is fascinating to hear um, a take from a different time because that was also pretty much my time. And it was never that big of a concern. I actually think that we, even though we may not have labeled it as often, you were kind of thrown together with... Um, Everybody in your community. So there wasn't, if you were in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I grew up, there was not enough gay people to have a leather bar, a drag bar, a trans Mm. hookup bar. This, you were in there, if you wanted to be in a gay bar away from the straights where you could do your thing, you were in there with the dykes, you were in there with the trans people, you were in there with the straight uh, cross dressers, you were in, you were there with the entire. Uh, community. You were there with the gay men. You know, it's just like, it was so different. And I'm interested that a couple of these, I mean, I know what Dina's uh, opinion is. Dina actually has her own uh, book about her life, which is fascinating. But did you notice that with other performers who were not as young? Because these days, gender identities and pronouns are, are fought over, you know, yeah. fiercely. You know, I'd have to say that my big takeaway from talking to so many of our models about gender and identity is that, you know, in regards to the time that you were just speaking of, identity was less about labels and categories and it was more about your lived experience, you know, that that was what brought people together as a community. Um, And I think that, you know, I, I... I personally experienced this. I don't know about you, but, I, you know, other queer people don't have to tell me they're queer. I can look at you and I just know. Mm-hmm. It's energetic, you know? Like, I can tell she's my sister and we don't have to talk about it. It's just, it's unspoken. Um, and in in an era when people, 
you know, when we didn't necessarily have the vocabulary to delineate all of these identities, but also that, you know, being out or talking about it was potentially dangerous, mm-hmm. um, you know, you did have to rely more on <clears throat> your intuition and, you know, that, that sort of energetic queerness that goes mm-hmm. unspoken. But, but we're, we're often being told not to trust our intuition, not to trust what we see. We're, we're, we're told that, you know, I mean, how dare you approach me unless you know every complete way that you've never even heard of to, to, to talk about my identity. Don't, mm. you know, and, 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 you, and, you know, I'm, I'll tell you, as someone that speaks to, uh, you know, people my age in the gay community and a lot of straight people, they are walking on eggshells around the gay community because they've been told to say this and told to say that, and they don't always understand it, not even in the gay community. And they are, they, I, I think, I think it could, you know, drive people away from the community. I mean, I actually think this is going to be a big issue in the next election, which we didn't call you up to talk about. (laughs) I I, I, I just think it's interesting that that for these women like Dina, you know, who is a trans woman of color, you know, she made it through. And we have to understand that before there were gay centers, that people like Dina just made her way. And it was like, you know, you... Were you a man or a woman or a drag or a trans? You wanted to be accepted, and you know that there were you knew that there were many pitfalls, and so you weren't focusing on stuff that some, including me, say could be divisive, like the insistence on uh, you know pronouns, getting pronouns correctly, which is confusing a lot of people who aren't you know, woke and online and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, Did the you pronoun- notice a, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, the pronoun issue is actually kind of, there's a funny thing in the book, which is that we chose stylistically to write the biographies in a kind of universal she, um, you know, like, like all throughout the stories, like she did this, she did that. And part of it is that we're speaking more to the kind of like, um, like the, the characters that people are portraying. And, you know, sometimes they are those characters themselves, you know, Chili Peppers, like, I don't do a character. I am the character. Um, but it was funny cause some of the models actually were like, oh, well I actually use he pronouns. And we we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know and we know, but we're not actually talking about uh, like your specificity, you know, we're trying to talk about this universal divine feminine that all of you are tapping into. And so, yeah, it, I, I definitely, I hear what you're saying about the kind of, you know, my parents, for example, when they're talking about my friends who they've known, you know, most of my life, they'll get kind of on edge when like pronouns come up. And I'm always like, don't worry. <laughs> like, you can, it's fine. Call us whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, there's some people on the right who wants to dismiss trans, who want to dismiss, you know, trans people. But then there's people who do mean well and just don't understand it because, you know, we're getting into a gray area with terms like pansexual, which kind of means mm-hmm. something similar to bisexual, which, you know, there's a lot of overlap. And I mean, let's face it, Facebook has 54 genders. <laughs> Check it out, and I just I don't know if there if there if there are fifty four. Um, but I mean I haven't I've, I've, I've met you know five or six you know whatever. But so you're saying that some of the drag queens use male pronouns yeah. is is it, it is uh, that sounds unusual 
to me. Well, not they, when they're performing per se, but like in their life. Okay, you know, yeah. When they don't look, when they look like a man, they're a man. When they mm-hmm. when they when they dress up, they use she. Right, but well, we're not writing about them because of when they look like a man. You know, <laughs> that's true. That's true. I want. I want to switch gears a little bit because I think what is interesting to me flipping through all the pages of the book is seeing like, you know, you know, these are a lot of these are older queens and to see like how makeup is so different now compared to what it was back then, how these how queens paint to me, that's the biggest thing. It's like, it's like, like when, when this book is done in 25 years or 30 years from now, it's going to be. Who knows what the fuck is gonna be? It's gonna be. It's, it's so interesting to see. Like it, it's like this, like this, like this, this stamp of what drag looked like then, as, a, as opposed to what the look is now. That's so interesting to me. And honey, they're out in the sunlight. You can right. see them all. Right. You can see every. I'm like, um, so yeah. I love. How, I love seeing how different it looks and. Um, the fact that you got them to be. I, I, I you know, if I was asked to do this book, I would not. I'm like outside. In a natural daylight, girl, no, 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 no. But they look great, but I would just whatever. Some of the girls took some convincing. (laughs) Um, You know, it was uh, Tasha Cole, the incredible Tasha Cole um, from Dallas. The night before our shoot, she went on Facebook Live and she was like, this kid asked me to be in a photo shoot out in the daylight. And Shut I said, up. what kind of sick motherfucker are you that you want to <laughs> shoot old drag queens out in the sun in the daytime? Um, and, you know, she was just, she was just being shady, but. Uh, we are sick. It's we true. are sick. It's true. <laughs> that part I love that you guys went to go see. So I, I lived in Portland for about two years, 2012 and 2013. I, I know Poison Waters very well, and I and I loved ourselves. So to see, I, to correct me if I'm wrong, Darcel is the oldest living drag queen in America, right? According to the Guinness Book of World Records, yes. Right. Yeah. So it's nice to see y'all had Darcel. Honey, she was. And I've been to Darcel's show. At um at, at at her show bar in, in in Portland, and she gets up there in her little loose. Sometimes you know because of some. Sometimes she wear a flat shoe, but sometimes she still gets up there in that like one inch um loose side heel, honey, and still doing the damn thing. Yes, the ma'am. last time we saw her, she fully like assless chaps, like shook it for Girl. the, for the yes. stage, like fully stoned assless chaps. <laughs> I love yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. So okay. So I, I, a lot of I don't think there there's zero. There's not a single girl from that show, right? From dun, 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 correct. Dun, 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 dun. There, now go ahead. Sorry. There are a few girls who are sort of in the orbit. Lady Red Couture was featured. Love Connie is in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, Nicole Page Brooks comes up in Shauna's profile because we did, uh, we photographed Shauna Brooks in Nicole's backyard. So we spent the whole day with the House of Brooks, which was right. unforgettable. Uh-huh. Um, but correct. No one who has competed on that show. So why, so why was that important for you guys <laughs> to not um, have people from Drag Race in the book? Y'all been in plenty of books. Get your own book. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean... I would shoot with pork chop. Victoria pork chop Parker. I mean the I would, the legend, I would, the icon. I think pork chop could have could have made the cut, but y'all are far too young. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, no, Charlie young. Hydes is in her early sixties, honey. Tempest, <laughs> Tempest du Jour, and of Tempest course RuPaul is oldest of all. 
Okay, would you guys, if, if you guys, if, if, if you got the chance to get Rue, would you, would you shoot Rue for the book? Absolutely. Well, I mean, the book's done, but we would I mean, shoot Rue. I mean, volume two, because we, we know volume two is going to come. Yes. Um, yeah, we can shoot on her ranch in Wyoming. <laughs> Oh my oh, okay. god! But make sure you don't get any. Don't make sure you don't get any oil on the camera lens because I hear there's a lot of it squirting out of the ground down there. I mean, you know, there there were definitely some queens who requested some Vaseline on the lens. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, but what, uh, what does that do? What does that do? Gives that nice diffusion. Oh really? <laughs> but but to expand upon your question, Monet. Um, you know, drag race has really become the dominant narrative when people Mm -hmm. think about drag and are talking about drag and drag in mainstream culture is all Mm -hmm. wrapped up in drag race. And so our book was, you know, a conscious intervention into that narrative because there are a lot of kids who don't understand the history that predates drag race. And in fact, the reason that there are so many incredible queens who've gone on to compete on Drag Race is because of the work that happens in those local drag communities. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, where did Nicole Page Brooks learn all of her tricks? From Shauna in Atlanta. What tricks? She ain't got no tricks. <laughs> oh, honey, I, we just spent the weekend with her in New York. She was, she, she's got a few tricks, let me tell you. Uh, how was that party? Because you did a, you, you're doing them in, you did it in Chicago last night and you did one in New York a, a week or so ago and you got some really great, uh, performers who don't always perform not because they're not great because they're just not on everyone's lips right now and and to be honest you know the drag race girls they can really sell out of a, a club so that's you know one reason that they are favored and I, I, I just saying a little bit more about monet's question i think that there's always going to be some people who value the history of their tribe but there's also going to be young people who are just living in the moment. And over the years, I decided to stop criticizing them because it's like I could be up in their face and say, you have to know the roots of drag. And it's like, actually, you don't have to. Would it be nice if you did? Yes. Mm-hmm. If, would it be nice if you knew all about Sylvia Rivera and Marsha P. Johnson? It would, but I don't know everything about Larry Kramer. I mean, I know stuff about Dita Jacobs because we work together, but this, you, you did a lot of digging and you pulled up some people. I was overjoyed. You mentioned Tasha Cole from Dallas. Her wigs are bigger than mine, folks. You definitely want to check out her Instagram, Hot Chocolate, who is one of my dearest friends who impersonated Tina Turner in uh, Las Vegas, the Frank Marino show, for decades, literally uh, decades. Mm-hmm. She's a fascinating, sweet person. Um, Sir Lady Java? How on earth did you track down? Sir Lady Java was billed as the most beautiful man in the world, and this was back in the early, like, was it 50s when when uh you couldn't always perform using a female name so you would call yourself sir lady java or the best known uh mc in atlanta has been mr charlie brown i think there were even rules that forced you to put a male title in your stage name so that you weren't deceiving people and sir lady java in you know who did basically a striptease act in 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 you know as like a novelty act 
I mean, just blew people's minds. I'm sure. I mean, I, I've always, there's there's only whispers about Jackie Shane and uh, certain Lady Jabba. So, you, t- tell us a little bit about her and, and meeting her. She's she's is she uh, 80 now? She's in her 80s. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I'm still in shock and awe that we were able to work with Java. Honestly, she's. Um, uh, she's not a difficult. Uh, she's a very difficult person to track down. In fact, um, and when we reached out to a number of our uh, local informants in LA, <laughs> they basically told us, "Don't bother. No one can do it." But um, really? my my cyber stalking abilities are par excellence, and so we were able to get in touch with her. Um, right. And you know, honestly. I, the reason that she said yes is because we pay. We paid all of our models. Um, we pay them oh, for the time. We love I think that. drag queens deserve to get paid, you know? Uh, I mean, certainly many have said that it's a great honor to be in this book, and that's great. But, you know, honor doesn't buy wigs and shoes and put food on the table. So they sure the hell don't. <laughs> so, um, you know, we feel we, we are very committed to making sure everyone was compensated for the shoots. Um, and Java certainly was. And we spent the whole day with her um, at her uh, her apartment in LA, and she was. I mean, the in, in her photo, she's seated in this gold throne that has lions on the armrests, and um, that's actually just her living room chair. Like yeah. work. Like that's just in her house, and she received us to her home seated in that chair like a queen. To quote. The children bow when they come before me now. Wow. And was she totally done when you arrived? Was she totally in costume and makeup? Well, we actually we had an audience with her prior to the shoot because she wanted to meet us in person to, like, kind of get the vibe. And she looked immaculate both times. She's yeah. gorgeous. She oh, is, my God. I can only imagine... Well, what? those pictures from back in the day, she was such a knockout, but she's still, yeah, just radiant. I mean, just r- r- ridiculous. Now, there's some other uh, queens from the pageant world who, you know, I mean, it still operates. I mean, these pageants are still going strong, but they, they don't get the, the I mean, they're the, the, the press of the drag race girls, and they don't get the immediacy of being on TV. You had to go, especially before YouTube, you had to pay and go to where they were performing or where they were competing. And so, Little Rock, Maya, Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. Maya Douglas is one of those who is so beautiful that uh, all the other, uh, the trans girls, they said, honey, when you're on that stage at Miss Continental or any other pageant, do not stand next to her or you will look like a big old booger because she's petite and she's just radiant. It's a great proportion. So she's one that I loved uh, reading about. Chili Pepper, who is a, 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 a mainstay of Chicago drag, friend of Oprah Winfrey, celebrates birthdays with her, and who I, I think Chili is absolutely fascinating. She's got that magic on stage that just won't quit. On stage, in the bar, on the street, like everywhere. Total charisma. Yeah. She's, she's, uh, I, I, I have been to the baton a few times. I've seen Dina there and I've been over the years, but, um, tell us about Ruby rims because she's really from the late seventies, early eighties. And, um, I'm going to, she's a New York queen. I don't know that much about her. Mm. Um, yeah, it was, uh, 
There's a historian at NYU named Joe Jeffries who uh, specializes in the study and history of drag. And he was one of our informants in New York, and he was able to introduce us to Ruby. Um, She's really incredible. She's a throwback, let me tell you. You know, she was the first queen to perform at the Anvil, which was a very raunchy club in in the meatpacking district, I believe, back when meatpacking really lived up to its name, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Um, I got and, thrown out. I got thrown out from there. <laughs> um, and uh, and then she, you know, progressed to working the cabaret circuit in New York. Um, but she is uh, just as hilarious and raunchy now as she was then. I'm sure. Um, and a total sweetheart. Just wonderful. She was at our, our launch party in New York as well. Yes, she appeared what? on some 80s uh, TV shows. Was it Phil Donahue as well? She so, did, yes. so these These were the queens who were, I mean, look, I, I, I don't think anybody needs to say, oh, I prefer the drag race queens to these queens, or they're young, or, or their makeup is better. The fact is, these people did, I mean, they've been, as Adora says, to be able to still be able to what I'm doing, to be able to do what I'm doing is, is my reward. I mean, they were able to work in their chosen profession for decades. So, mm. I mean, it, it, they, they really, they, in addition to, as you said, the drag, Mothers who have some of whose insights and help uh, some of these drag race people have sprung from. It's also just like stuff like removing a wig while you're performing. Where does that come from? Right. You know, uh, yeah. you know. I saw that in Chattanooga as a teen, and it drove me out of my mind. And <laughs> um, and then I became to to realize the different levels of what it was. I mean, part of it is. Um, is, uh, is, is from the church, black church, when you get so hot and bothered testifying that you just can't have another, you can't have that wig's not gonna sit on your head anymore. So it's like, a, it's like an expression of, of uh, I'm fed up to rip that wig off. Of course, there's also a man underneath it uh, sometimes. So there's, uh, you know, that it's, 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 that's, it has a double meaning. But there's stuff like that. I mean, the reveals that we see on Drag Race are very, um, you know, common in the, the pageant world. And, and while we're on the subject, I just want to get this out of my system. Fucking Kennedy Davenport gave up her crown as, what is it, Miss Gay USA? She lip-synced to that whole eight-minute Gladys Knight into the road medley. And, I mean, they're saying that she did it as if she's Patti LaBelle. Honey, that bitch is, she is the bridge, you know, of the old school and the new school because she's from the drag race world, but she's also from the pageant world, and she's from Texas where... You just usually don't get up to do drag in Texas, you know, or Florida in Atlanta or and have nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you need to have something or you're probably not going to be up there. And she has so much. If you can Google that uh, performance of Kennedy Davenport in uh, Gladys Knight's um, uh, End of the Road medley. I mean, it was just, I it was just I brilliant. I will. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it, she just, it was just this weekend. That's how current cool. and cool Monet and I are. No, I love Kennedy. <laughs> and she is, uh, she's great. Here's another um, quote. The, These queens of a certain age possess an inimitable mastery of the art, but often remain unsung heroines in the increasingly youth-oriented culture. So, 
drag, as I knew it, was something that we grew up with uh, as as our own culture. Um, and so often, you know, and, and I get criticism for my act being raunchy a lot of the times. And but that's what we were attracted to. And we were in a, in our, you know, they want to say gay safe spaces as they abandon them on Grindr. Um, you know, the, 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 that was, that was something special that was part of our culture. Is drag less subversive now that, that it's mainstream? I mean, I was also glad to see you, uh, feature Joan Jet Black, who was a, a very political force in San Francisco in the, uh, was it 90s, I guess? Maybe 80s and 90s. Is drag less <laughs> subversive now that it's mainstream? Because sometimes when things go mainstream, you know, you lose, lose I mean, you know, instead of a, a someone, who did you say like to do Millie Jackson? Chili Pepper. Um, I mean, there's going to be dirty words in there, and that was from our, from albums recorded in the 70s, and now, you know, Rue is on TV and, and has to say, don't flunk it up. <laughs> so, you know, is it do we lose some of the... Of the subversion? I think that there's a risk of that. Um, part of our strategy has been, you know, the, we have Mother Chuck on the cover. The book is very innocuous seeming, you know, and part of it is we want anyone and their mother or their child to be able to pick up this book and feel like, oh, drag, how innocent, this should be fun. And then they open it up and flip to the, the chapter about Joan Jet Black, for example, and learn about the Gay Liberation Front and Queer Nation. And, you know, we've really tried to transmit as much of the subversive and raunchy content as possible in a very innocent package with the hopes that um, we can kind of uh, subvert the the mainstreaming, right? And that, like, we can use the fact that drag now has a wider approach to kind of, like, spread this information that otherwise mm-hmm. um, would be buried or obscured. And I, I think also that, you know, even though there is more drag in the mainstream and maybe it has been, maybe some of it uh, has been diluted, you could say, um, for a broader appeal or a mass audience, I think there's there's always going to be a reaction against that, right? Like, just, uh, there's a queen in Brooklyn who shall remain anonymous, um, who is infamous for doing a number where she inserted pancake batter into her butt and then shit it out into a waffle maker on stage and made a shit waffle. Oh, wait, uh, Willem Willem is living in Brooklyn now? (laughs) Um, But, I mean, you know, you could could smell it from Williamsburg to the Bronx. Um, Keep talking, keep talking, I'm about to come. Oh, yeah, it's really stinky, (laughs) was it? Oh, any corn? Oh, Oh. it was, yeah, definitely. Lots of fiber, lots of fiber in that one. Um, but, you know, so I think there's there's always going to be kids who who look at what's happening and want to take it and fuck it up. Um, yeah. And and we love that. Was AIDS a common theme? I've read most of the book, but obviously, if you're a survivor um, of those eras, um, you know, I mean, especially someone like Sir Lady Java, but even some of the younger ones like um, uh, Poison Waters from, uh, is she Seattle or Portland? Portland. So, I mean, if if you made it through the 80s and 90s, 
you saw your friends, your coworkers, your lovers, you know, a lot of them die of HIV, which thankfully isn't, you know, is a life sentence like it used to be. Did 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 what did they have what what did they have to say on that? I'm sure it was a big part of their lives. I mean, they, they the drag queens, as Dina Jacobs says, are always the first one to be called, you know, to do the the benefits. And let me just clarify that Dina is trans but does drag. Yeah, um, you know, that is a thread that came up often. Certainly all the queens in the book are, you know, survivors of that plague. Uh, Many of them are HIV positive. Um, Some of them discussed their status with us, others didn't. Um, But yeah, it it was... the, The fact that so many of our elders were lost to AIDS really informed our commitment to, to documenting these stories and seeking these people out um, because so much of that history has been lost. And, you know, our elders really represent a bridge to that past. Um, And so many of them shared stories about, you know, uh, uh, there's an organization called the Imperial Court, um, which I believe uh, bills itself as the oldest, largest international LGBT organization in the world. Um, and they really, uh, um, they were right really a- instrumental. <laughs> right after the bathhouses. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were really instrumental in throwing fundraisers, um, throwing fundraisers for people who were dying of AIDS so that they could pay their rent. Um, I mean, you know, and it was drag queens performing at those fundraisers. Uh, And so, you know, when people talk about, you know, the importance of community or giving back, I mean, that is really just the pinnacle um, of what all of that means. Yeah, I mean, there's, um, in in fact, there's there's a couple, I'm I'm not suggesting that they died of AIDS. There's several uh, queens included, Lady Red, the goddess bunny, no relation, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> who who did pass away, Fatima Rood from San Francisco, who seems like an interesting character. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm glad to see those because it's like Lady Red was incredible. She does in, uh, deserve a, a shining moment. Uh, the goddess bunny from L.A., endlessly mm-hmm. fascinating. I mean, this is someone who basically, you know, hooked in a wheelchair, I mean, this is this is. I mean, th- this is someone who you know was part of the scene. I mean, she was used to make videos for uh, underground bands, and I mean, she is you know she she actually has a straight audience because she she's fucking outrageous. She was fucking mm. outrageous. I was happy to be in touch with Sandy Crisp. So you got when she hit Facebook age. So I mean, tell us a little bit about her. Because she is, I know her from Vaginal Davis in Los Angeles way back. So um, she is quite a trip. Was quite a trip. Yes. uh, The the day we spent with Sandy, or the Goddess Bunny, um, will forever be ingrained in my memory. Um, We, we, she, she FaceTimed me an hour before our shoot. And I'm thinking, oh my God, she's going to cancel. But instead, she was calling to, to tell me that she was all ready. She, her hair and makeup was fully done. She was so excited and ready to go. Um, and we showed up for the shoot. And before we could get started, she was like, 
let's go eat first. So we go to her, her favorite diner down the street in Inglewood um, in L.A. And immediately at the diner, they usher us into this wood-paneled banquet room at the back that was otherwise closed. So all of a sudden, <laughs> we find ourselves having this private brunch with the goddess bunny. And what does she order for brunch? Shrimp cocktail and a glass of white Zinfandel. And our waiter had a glass eye. The whole thing felt like a David Lynch film. Um, and, <laughs> and she hosts karaoke at that restaurant? Yeah. Came to learn <laughs> she, she hosted karaoke at this diner, apparently, and that's why she you know, was a regular there. Um, and so, you know, as we're eating shrimp cocktail, she's regaling us with, you know, stories from her decades in Hollywood, how, uh, you know, she fucked Tom Cruise and John Travolta in the bathhouse, how she sat on Tony Danza's lap and gave him a boner, how oh, I'm jealous. Uh, Ryan Seacrest watched her give a blowjob in a parking garage once. She dated Ricky Martin when he was 18. Oh yeah. She dated Ricky Martin. Um, she, uh, she, uh, Kelly Ripa hired her to teach her husband how to act less gay. Uh, not sure that worked out, but, um, yeah. He can still really get it. Good. He can still get it. <laughs> Maybe if he sits on his hands. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. And then, um, during our, our photo shoot with the goddess, it was it was really incredible to see uh, you know the the straight world passing us by. People are hanging out their car windows. Mothers with their strollers are saying hello and telling the goddess how fabulous she looked. And um, it was a really special day. <laughs> That's outrageous. I love that. So some of the queens kind of pass over from the pageant world to the. Mm. Uh, ballroom world, you know, I mean, in, in New York City, you have Egypt LaBeja, who is from the House of LaBeja. Aja from Drag Race is now a LaBeja. And of course, the most famous LaBeja is probably Pepper LaBeja from the, or excuse me, Peppa LaBeja from Paris is Burning. And I, as I, I'm, I'm friends with Carmen Extravaganza, and she was mm. one of the ones, um, there's another Sylvia, I think Sylvia Del Rio, and they kind of cross between the ballrooms and the pageants, which I did not know too many from the ballroom scene that did that. There's some, but Egypt is one, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, New York, New York, the drag culture in New York City is is so distinct because there's all these different pockets, right? There's uptown, downtown, east side, west side. Um, but the queens who are able to navigate between those different modalities, oftentimes, you know, they wind up having the longest careers, right? Because they're not pigeonholed into one certain type of drag or one certain arena of drag. Um, and so, you know, certainly many of our models are, are multifaceted in that capacity. You know, they'll, they do celebrity impersonations, but they also do their own act or they sing and they lip sync. Um, or, you know, so many of them are involved in the community in ways that don't involve performing, like they make jewelry or they make wigs for other girls. And, you know, when you, when you think about what longevity in the industry really means, 
being adaptable and having and embracing those different talents and those different styles um, really can can contribute to a long career. So um, it's it's been fascinating to to learn more about how those girls do that. Well, I, I maybe we are towards the end, but I want to make sure we plug you guys very well. Please tell us where we can find y'all on social media and also where we can get the mother tucking book, bitch. Yes. The official book release date is June 21st. The summer solstice. The summer solstice. It's, it is available everywhere books are sold. Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can buy it on Walmart.com if you want to. Um, <laughs> that is the classiest option. Yes. Honestly, let's have a, let's have a Walmart book buying party, everyone. On <laughs> June 21st at midnight o'clock, we're all going to go to Walmart.com and get our I mean, Legends of Drag book. Honey, we've got the Taco Bell drag brunch. Why not Walmart drag brunch? I think it's next. <laughs> I want to see people camping out in front of Walmart yes. on the summer solstice to get this yes, book. Yes, bitch. Um, and uh, you can find us on Instagram as well. We're at Legends of Drag. Um, and uh, yeah, we're so excited to share the book with everyone. Work. Your hard work and- paying off. It's beautiful. And we do have um, a book tour that will be taking place throughout the year. On June 22nd, we will be at Oasis in San Francisco. Word. Um, in, in July, we're coming to Fort Lauderdale and Miami. And then in September, early October, we're hitting Atlanta, Vegas, and L.A. So stay tuned for those tour dates um, at Legends of Drag on Instagram and legendsofdrag.org if you want to check us out on the web. We're talking to Harry James Hansen and Devin Antheus from the new book, Legends of Drag Out, June 21st. Um, I have to, I have to, to, is the book available? Is there an audio book? Is there like a downloadable book? You're talking to somebody that doesn't read books a year. There is an ebook. I believe an audio book is imminent. Ah, you know, that should happen. it's, It's such a big visual medium, though. Yes, that's yeah. true. Like that's true. you want to see the, the beautiful pictures. I mean, but also I'm not shading. I mean, please, there, there is text. So if, if if some people would like to, maybe well, <laughs> I, I did this with the Mariah Carey book. I I had the physical book uh, to read along and also listen to audiobook because you can hear her reading and it was just so delicious right. hearing Mariah read the freaking book. So that is right. that would be nice to listen to it and also look at the pictures while they're listening. Yeah, um, May- and go ahead. And uh, just to say, you know, we're just getting started. Um, I think we've definitely got volume two international Legends of Drag. Uh, We would love to make that happen. And um, we're also very open to conversations with uh, uh, television production companies. So feel free to slide into our DMs. Okay. Thank you very much for joining us. Good luck with the books. Y'all will see some gems from the past if if the if they're coming to your city vegas atlanta um you said fort lauderdale you will get to see some of the foundations of modern drag yes ma'am thank you so much for having us this has been absolutely titillating yes <laughs> and we'll see you oh. have a good have a good rest of your day gentle thank person. you thank, thank you, you. ciao Podcast Network.